Christmas Eve at the end of the day When he thought he heard St. Nick slay Went outside and with dismay Saw Santa splattered on his driveway Christmas was over Until he threw the bag over his shoulder Now Brian is flying And he lives no children crying Hey Simon Yes Matt How many words did you write for NaNoWriMo this year? Oh, well, off the top of my head and totally not just spent five minutes uh, trying to find how you calculate that on Google Docs. I got up to a grand total of... 10,581 words. It's not bad. You got over a fifth of the way there. Yeah, I was going to say... It's 50, is it 50,000 or 100,000 that NaNoWriMo... It's 50,000, 50, unless they change the rules on me. I think it's 50,000. I don't know. I was short of it, anyway. <laughs> Basically, I was fifth of the way there. Um, so, then, Matt, my question to you is, did, uh, how many words did you, you do this NaNoWriMo season? Uh, that's a goose egg uh, there, good buddy. Oh. Um, at least I wrote, but I didn't write. I didn't try a NaNoWriMo write. Yeah, just the regular old background writing, which was also pretty uh, poor, all things considered. November was a was a was a blowout in terms of in terms of writing. Unfortunately, I think uh, it was yourself and Brian who always said November is like one of the weirdest times to put a, a novel writing uh, challenge. <laughs> It is the worst time, at least in America, I will say, mm -hmm. because when, when we were in college, um, that's when finals were, right? Finals are at the very beginning of December. Yeah. So you were studying. It was really hard in the end of November because you're getting all those last you know classes in, you know, the teacher professors are rushing stuff. You're beginning to study for finals. You have midterms constantly, like every three weeks. That's pretty. So those horrendous. are. It is, and then once you become an adult, there's Thanksgiving in the latter half of the month to worry about, and the first half of the month is kind of ramping up to that, where you're trying to get everything done because before everyone wants to take a week off for the holiday. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my work schedule kind of gets screwed like that because my birthday's in the middle of uh, November, so. I'm trying to get all my work done because I know I'm going to have a week off. So I'm busy at work in the f front half, and then I'm playing catch-up for the rest of the month when I finally get back, which is annoying. So. But um, this is all just excuses. I want to formally apologize to the NaNoWriMo gods out there. Um, uh, whatever the gods in, in Greek mythology of literature and, and any other mythological god that uh, looks over the creative writing aspect of life. Sorry, I uh, I failed you. And this is our penance now. We have devoted a 12 days episode to uh, to talking about our shame and failure of NaNoWriMo, but also some writing talk, you know, treasure this episode, everybody, because um, it'll be saved for posterity and for future generations to marvel upon when you see the famous authors that are Simon and Matt. That's all mm -hmm. our names are going to be. They're just Simon and Matt. It's like a it's like a Plato situation. 
<laughs> you know, they, they, they'll argue if we were even real. Uh, this is all going to be taken as like fan fiction. Yeah, uh, speaking right now, it's like ah, oh, now they were just talking about some earlier guy because they can't. They got their like three centuries mismatched when we actually lived. Yeah, you know that's how it is. That's how it is. So um. Yeah, so we're just going to, we haven't really got a plan. We're just going to talk about NaNoWriMo as a whole. I guess if you've tuned in and you've seen the title and you're like, I don't know what NaNoWriMo is, it is National Novel Writing Month, and it is every November. Every November. Um, And we're specifically uh, more here to talk about the aftermath of NaNoWriMo and how that usually goes. Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, you've heard of post-nut chain? Uh, this is, I guess, post-failure shame, post-lack of creative nut, in a word. You can probably see why I struggle with writing, and my analogies are as bad as this when I uh, say them on the show. So, uh, yeah, we're now in the middle of December. No, we're not in the middle of December. Well, technically, in kayfabe we are, but it's actually the beginning of December that we're recording this. It is. So yes. we're fresh off, uh, fresh off the back of it of of the failure. So, um, yeah, basically, Nano is a challenge to aspiring writers of all walks of life, of all skill levels, all ages, um, to sit down and basically bust out a novel, um, if possible, and if not, it hopefully inspires you to write a little bit more. It gets uh, the creative juices flowing. It gives you a perfect opportunity to. Uh, maybe try a completely new project that's standalone to anything else that you're working on, or you can return to an old old friend and uh, update it or finally get something over the line. Mm. Uh, I chose this year, because all other years I have worked on an existing project, I chose this year um, to do something totally new, and I tried to come up with it. I tried to leave the idea creation aspect of it as late as humanly possible because i wanted it to be something completely fresh in my head and something where i'm just like okay i'm starting from the ground up um because i'm very much a uh i'm very meticulous with planning background i like to basically come up with the plots and then work backwards and fill it in as opposed to just what's the analogy it's architect and a gardener isn't it i prefer to uh I'm an architect, very much so, as opposed to a gardener. Yeah, that's what they say. But also, I've known a lot of architects being in the business I am mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that kind of feel like they're just playing it by ear. So. <laughs> They've proven the analogy to be false, these these mm-hmm. goddamn rogue arch- architects. But yeah, I, I, I do prefer to meticulously plan it and build the world uh, before I set foot in it. So it was a bit of a different one this year for me because it was very much I came up with the very I suppose, I mean fuck it it's the episode for it um you know if you yeah. if you're not interested in technical writing and and what we're doing and our process and us talking about it then come back tomorrow and you'll be able to see another episode that's totally different. But um, so what I did to this one is basically came up with the idea um mm-hmm. came up with a couple of characters that I wanted to throw into it. Uh, came up with a couple of uh, sort of plot points that I wanted to get to. Um, and very much one of the bad habits of mine is that I am not very good. And I guess it's a, a talent, it's a skill that good writers have that I do not possess, 
is brevity and writing a short, contained, self-contained story. Like, I am not good at doing a 12, 13 chapter book and saying, here it is, this is done. So I wanted to do that, but also have the opportunity to expand it as well, which kind of flies in the face of what I've just said. But I wanted to be able to do something that I could go, boom, that was 12 chapters, it's done. Um, and then I could always come back to it and expand upon it if I wanted to. Um, so yeah, I spent a couple of days doing that. To be honest, my research led me. I might as well just say the pitch now, Hanta, because uh, yeah, you, you should before we get too far along. Think Gantz, but instead of hunting aliens, it's Persona Five hunting treasures. I guess that's the best, simplest way I could put it. It was literally I was like, I really, really, really love. Um, I really loved Gantz. I love the 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 plot of Gantz, and I love a lot of those. Um, I suppose Betoom is kind of similar to a, a, a Dead Man Wonderland sort of. It's kind of them Battle Royale, and obviously the film Battle Royale, where a normal person, an average person, just gets plucked out of the out of the um, you know wherever. Could be out of school. They could just be kidnapped. They could be teleported into somewhere, um, and they're suddenly faced with a very violent, very gritty. Um, <clears throat> like de even death game, I suppose Squid Game would be one that's everyone knows now. You know, average people mm -hmm. go into a battle of life and death. It's a survival game, so I really like that concept, and I love that kind of um, I love how you can explore it a little bit more, and it brings like normal human beings and sort of pushing them to the breaking point, and you know, getting those kind of people. Obviously, an anime tends to be someone who's a who's a neat or something. Uh, they're <laughs> they're always a loser who is like, oh, he's a, he's a neat, but he's very good at this game or something like that. He has just one handy skill that just so happens to work. Um, I mean, see our most recent favorite anime, Tokyo Revengers, for perfect example. True. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have a special. Skit. I mean, he kind of does, but. You know, that, he is a weirdo who lives in an apartment by himself and doesn't go outside much. Yeah. Which, and gets transported into high violence. Which, true. Yeah, actually. I suppose unconsciously, Tokyo Revengers really did get me thinking about those. Because after Tokyo Revengers, I started reading a bit of Gantz again. Because I was like, I really just enjoy that kind of uh, that aspect. And also, I really like the um, the hidden identity superhero concept so you know where the uh peter parker is peter parker by day spider-man at night and he has a normal life but also he has this shit going on that's fantastical and supernatural on the side i do like that part of uh of of world building as well so um basic plot point was and this is where most of my research took me even though it wasn't it's just so i knew i wanted to know the very core basics of um realities like so the idea was essentially there are these um call well i had I hadn't decided on a name i've called them wardens at the moment but i don't like the name wardens they're essentially wardens of reality and i went into the 10 uh the 10 dimensions that are hypothesized in string theory or um so you have obviously like you know the three dimensions that we live in and the fourth dimension of time and then the fifth dimension where you're able to you would be able to navigate through any point in time or any point in three-dimensional space. And then it goes on and on and on to that. It goes up to the 10th one. Mm -hmm. um, and it gets very theoretical and strange. Mm -hmm. So these uh, these 
reality uh, wardens come from a far higher dimension to us than the eighth dimension or ninth dimension haven't settled doesn't matter they're just so far beyond us we're primitive to them we're nothing for all intents and purposes they're kind of aliens i guess um but they are these they exist outside of our reality but they can manipulate our reality um so essentially they have what they say to us is there's several treasures that got stolen from them a long, 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 long time ago, and they are hidden on Earth. Now, they can't physically come to Earth because they would be vulnerable, but humans are so primitive and just they're nothing. There's billions of them. They'll literally scoop a random bunch of humans up and say, here you go, uh, go get the shit for us. And that's how it works. And then they have, you know, some little bits and pieces, some little tricks that they give them. Little, But I really like the idea of doing a normal humans against really crazy creatures and interdimensional beasts and monsters and all these weird scientifically you know technologically advanced crazy creatures um but it doing a heist mission so rather than them having to go and fight them literally trying to avoid them or trying to get around them so and and stealing some crazy you know alien tech i guess um so that was that was the idea that i wanted to go with um so yeah that was kind of what i just did and like I say, the majority of my research was, was literally just being like, let me try and get a handle on this reality thing. Because I was like, I don't, want it, I don't want them just to be aliens. I want them to be... I, I like the idea of them shifting through reality because what they do is they manipulate... Uh, they can pull people out of their... Uh, out of reality. So they pull the people that they want to steal these things slightly out of reality so they can't interact they can't see anyone they can't do anything until they go into a dimensional bubble where they can steal this shit anyway that's uh that was the core concept of what i did um so yeah i liked solid solid coming up with a bunch of characters and uh just throwing them in but that was the what i really wanted to do was get the most bog standard normalish average people um so the main characters like he uh falls into a little bit of the neat thing he's got a job he's fine but he's kind of a person who didn't fulfill his potentially dropped out of university um you know not really not really very confident not really going anywhere fast that's kind of his thing he kind of just exists he fades into the background which is ironic because then he gets pulled out of existence um but yeah so that's what i was doing uh yeah and it went okay uh, it was a bit different to as I say, just giving myself really bare bones, like going, okay, this is going to be the plot. And then I'm like, right, how do I start this? And then just putting pen to paper, well, fingers to keyboards, and just going from there was interesting. But it's it's a good way of doing things. It's not my preferred method, but it's definitely uh, gets, it gets shit done faster. I'll say that. But enough about my incessant ramblings and writings. Uh, how about you, Matt? What were you uh, What were you working on? If you If you were comfortable revealing to us, obviously, if it's top secret, you know that's fine. Uh, uh, it's probably the worst kept secret on our little home on the internet, Mongerators. <laughs> uh, is that I still haven't really finished War Arc, a project I started technically back in the summer of 2018. Yeah, with a bunch of people. And I'm desperately trying to get it out. But at the same time, I just don't have the time to write as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. And part of that's on me. I need to make the time. But uh, I've that's kind of what I worked on. And granted, I didn't get far. I got good couple pages. Yeah. Still remember. But um, it's just been a slog. 
and I don't want to say it's a writer's block because I know it needs to be written so much as just making myself actually sit down and do the thing. Yeah, I... There the must be a term for it, because I, I say that's like an offshoot of writer's block. It's like physically sitting down and writing, because I've done it before. I, I did it this month where I'd sit down and be like, right, I'm going to type out a sentence. And you would just sit there and you cannot concentrate and you check your phone, you check in, you're like, oh, let me just check my emails. Let me just check this. Let me just sort this just uh-huh. before. Let me just find the perfect background music just before I start writing and before you know an hour's gone or 40 minutes has gone and you just cannot mm-hmm. put focus at all on writing so uh it's it's very real man especially if you've got shit going on as well like you know you think about work or whatever um so no i, I feel you i understand you it's a killer yeah i mean it's just also the same thing of you know i'd live with another person now which isn't a change for the first time in a while and the last time i lived with a per- human being um was brian yeah who, you know, both of us would at times just buckle down and do writing stuff. It was a lot easier when, you know, you had that similar passion. Yeah. Not that my fiance doesn't occasionally put pen to paper, uh, but it's, you know, it's also a lot easier just like, oh, start the PS4 and play video games on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I I get that as well. Like, I, it it feels weird when you're living with uh, when you're living with your partner, and to the point where I have to say, like, I I literally go right. I'm going upstairs to do a bit of writing, and that's a sort of you know, I'm just I will be out of your way for an hour, kind of kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is strange to say, but you kind of you have to, and you feel. I feel guilty sometimes saying that because you're like, well, I, you know, I'm just leaving them alone, even though. You know, they're adults and they wouldn't care. Vice versa, whenever my girlfriend does it, if she's going up to paint or sew or do whatever she's going to do, um, that's absolutely cool. So it's one of them. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm- and, and I have to wonder with part of it is, you know, we only moved in together in May or of April. We got engaged in May and there's a part, and, you know, and she was, thank you. She was gone for a little while mm-hmm. um, for, um, I guess we'll call it job-related reasons. Yeah. Uh, So fair while the the lead, a fair while, two and a half months, Mm -hmm. uh, without getting into her personal details too much. But um, she was gone. So the lead up to this two and a half months of her being gone this year was very much okay. We got to do things, and because we we have a we just got engaged, and she wants to do as many like social things as she can before she has to leave. Mm And so we did all that. So that was a rush. So we're constantly doing things. And then she's gone. And during that time, I keep myself sane by throwing myself into projects around the house. Right. And I, I it's not like we own the place, but, you know, I, I fixed little things. I, I put, I cleaned the place up. I, you know, unpacked boxes from the move. Yeah. Things like that. Got, we got more moved in. You know, put a you know a little home gym down in the basement, that kind of stuff, and then that's how I spent my weekends and at evenings often. And then she got back, and after that, it's been just a wash of holidays and um, just a sense of 
we're finally back together and I just kind of just want to do nothing but lay in bed. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a mad time. I, not to mention as well, mm. like uh pandemic. I mean, to be honest, when it was working from home orders and it was uh, stay at home orders and stuff and the lockdowns are going on at the beginning of last year, I was like, I'm going to get so much writing done. I'll have books finished by next year. This will be amazing. It's going to be great. Turns out being stuck indoors and just working and not really doing much else isn't great for creativity. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out a a worldwide pandemic where millions of people die and there's political instability and, you know, all this kind of cruel crap that we've all been going through, especially us here in America. Mm. It's not good for your, like, creative juices. Yeah, I guess... I mean, maybe other people are different, but I have to kind of feel at peace. And writing is to, is when you when you unwinding and you're chilling and you're doing summer. Uh-huh. Um, as soon as it feels like a chore, I do not produce good work at all. So if it's I force no. myself to do it, or if you're stressed and you're not focusing on what you're doing, so I guess if we it's- we can turn this into advice, people make time for writing. Yes, but do it when you know you will have the time when you're most likely to be relaxed and able to uh able to explore what you're writing as well uh-huh and like i know i know it's a gimmick but uh it never hurts if you're going to have some sort of relaxant mm-hmm. whatever vice you may participate in a little of that can help yeah because there's a lot there's a lot of stories of drunken writers out there there's a reason for it or weed. Apparently, weed is supposed to be incredible for uh, for for writing. Couldn't say I've ever say that. got high and wrote. All... <laughs> uh, no, I definitely haven't. Um, but also, weed destroys your dreams. And if your dreams are an important source of creativity for you, not don't try weed. <gasps> yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I, I like to dream too much to do weed. Really, do your um? Do you use your dreams a lot for? For writing, do you ever get like inspiration from them, or I I don't. It's an interesting question. I don't take things from them directly, mm-hmm. generally speaking. But they do. If I have like a really good dream, or like a good night of dreaming, it will put me in the right headspace. Yeah, because often when I dream, I have some really wild dreams that can be slide in and also hello friend hold up wait a minute something ain't right who is this what's going on i just entered this room and you guys are talking about dreams or something we're we're talking um our good friend curtis who is definitely not late to this recording (laughs) um that um we're talking about um the aftermath of NaNoWriMo and kind of writing in general. Oh, are we doing a normal episode? No, No, we're doing a 12 days. Mm -hmm. But, Oh, oh, I know that because it's recorded on the day. Yeah, of course. Naturally. Naturally. It's it's December. (laughs) This is actually part of the joke is that I was waiting in the wings to come in. Yeah, he's been part of the episode. He's been here the whole time. We were talking about dreams. Um, yeah, we figured as as a two man crew until you joined, we would do a little little bit of writing talk and stuff. So we were just talking about 
Um, if you ever use your dreams, like if you ever take inspiration from what you dream um, and use that and apply it to writing at all, like do you ever have dreams that oh. spark ideas or, or, or not, Curtis? Yeah, and we're being very general, general here, Mr. Uh, yeah. Music Man. Well, that's the thing. I'm With music, I've had dreams where I've felt something, like something in the dream has occurred, mm -hmm. and um, it's this distinct feeling that I don't know how to describe. So I tried to channel that into like maybe a song or something. See, like that's sometimes... what... go ahead. No, I was saying that's where I was going with it. I was just saying that sometimes I uh, I don't necessarily pull things directly from dreams, but they will put me in the yeah. right headspace. Exactly. Like one time I had this dream, um, and uh, I don't know how to describe it, but I was thinking about it all day, mm -hmm. and uh, I would like I was like listening to the metallica's black album and when nothing else matters came <laughs> i was just like whoa because i was thinking of this girl in my dream <laughs> it was weird that's powerful emotion man um... this is before i had a girlfriend and and i was like oh my god the thing i felt in my dream and it like carried through for the rest of my day Mm -hmm. I, I've definitely, I have had those dreams where they really can be impactful. I mean, I have dreams yeah. from years ago that I can still think back to that feel impactful mm -hmm. and that weird old, you know, old timey, uh, a vision came to me in my dream and now I must kill Odysseus kind of way. <laughs> I've had a lot of dreams about Bish and the members of Bish. And uh, we don't need to know about those dreams. No, usually, <laughs> usually this is always what happens. We're just chilling or or something or like I'm somewhere and then, oh, Ayuni's there. And now we're walking across the the sea and Walmart's in the background. And those are like the kind of dreams that I have. Very respectful. Yeah. That, that's the thing about pulling inspiration from dreams is they're, my, they're usually too nonsensical exactly. to get much. You can might like you might be able to like pull a cool moment or something out of it, mm. but otherwise you're just going to create like a Velvet Underground song that just drones on for twenty five minutes. Oh, you're gonna get some insane shit, yeah. Yeah, my dreams are dumb as fuck. I always, I I I hate how stupid I am in my dreams. Like <laughs> everything, you wake up and everything screams to you. It's a dream. Like, the person you talk to completely yeah. changes. What you're looking at completely changes. Where you are completely changes. And I realize that in the dream, but don't ever connect the dots and go, I no. must be dreaming. I just go, okay, Never. and just accept it, which is a, a reflection of my psyche, which I uh, don't like. It means I'm very comfortable. I, I think that's I think that's fairly normal human behavior, though. It annoys the fuck out of me. I mm -hmm. So I don't ever really uh get any inspiration for um stories or writing or i creative ideas from dreams actually to shut up si i'm lying to you because you were talking about a feeling and i've probably i think i've mentioned many a time on the show before i can still remember a dream i had as a child um where i was standing on one end of a street a very long road that i lived by very like very close to and all the way up the top of the road there is a very tall man in a black suit like and a hat 
something you'd wear at a funeral. And he um, yeah. and he is limping very, very slowly towards me. And I couldn't, I could move, but I couldn't at the same time. Like I knew I could walk away, but I just couldn't turn away from this yeah. guy. And I could do nothing but just watch him limp very slowly towards me. And I remember that feeling. Uh, so anytime that I try and write horror or, or anything that's supposed to be scary, I try to channel, channel that sort of dread as opposed to like yeah. shock, because that was a really, really powerful feeling. Like this little bit of dread in the pit of my stomach that just kept welling up that I knew I could kind of get away from, but I couldn't. It was always what? something that affected me. That, that sounds like a sleep paralysis demon. I was definitely asleep because I was on the I was I was yeah I was in the road. I don't. I, I know, but it's al- it's almost like you had a dream that also had a sleep paralysis possibly situation because you're what, stuck there. You can't move, and also when they talk, you know, people see weird shit when they have sleep paralysis because mm-hmm. your brain, it, your your body is asleep, but your brain is awake, and that causes some weird signals to happen. So your your eyes see the room, but they are tr- desperately trying to piece things together and it's just not clicking because you're half asleep still, literally. Yeah. And a lot of times people will see tall, dark figures wearing hats. <gasps> Maybe Just because there, there's a weird trick in the human brain where if you're like piecing together shadows in a room, that will often come out. That's true. I see no end of tall people in my it, like. Do you know when you? Because I like sleeping in pitch black as well. Like every, it uh-huh. has to be total darkness. So when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, "Oh shit!" and it's like, "Oh, that's the wardrobe." Never mind. False alarm, yeah, no, everybody. No, no, no. It's our it's our monkey brains are constantly trying to find like threats. Stupid monkey. And like, so if you can see a person, that's like the you know it's going to stand out. So that's what your monkey brain wants to see. Yeah. Oh, bloody dreams, eh? I'll tell you, tangentially related then, I'll tell you where 90% of, and I kind of miss this working from home. We mentioned lockdown and being like working from home, stifling creativity. But one of the biggest like uh, sources of creativity for me was the commute. Um, Going to and Mm -hmm. from work, uh, just drifting off and daydreaming. I solved so many like questions that I had for stories or, or ideas would spark at that time and I'd have to write it down. Like I used to carry a little notebook with me and just, you know, jot down an idea for what I had or a solution to a plot hole or something. Um, that that daily commute was massive for me. Like so you were able to just sort of turn your brain off for however long, half an hour, 40. Like I used to really, really love walking from the office when I lived when I lived about an hour away from it, I could walk to and from the office, um, and it was really great because I loved that op- that time to just sort of just switch off and just kind of interpret ideas and come up with shit. And then by the time you get home, you can write it all down. So daydreaming was a uh, was a really good one for me. I used to do it in school as well. Probably not the best. Yeah, I, I can't say that's good advice for anyone who's studying, but <laughs> you know, not that, I I do contribute that to a lot of my lowered output after leaving college because when I was in college, I'd walk to and from campus every day, maybe multiple times a day. So that'd be like, you know, up to two hours a day of just walking and staring into the distance. Mm. And then just day, yeah, daydreaming time. Like you can't just daydream at um, a job a lot of the days, you know, no. you have stuff to do. So it is, I have lost a lot of my daydreaming time. 
And I can't do too much of that in the car or I'll kill myself. True. <laughs> I would advise people not to switch off when they're driving and in in, uh, in control of a vehicle. But if you if you take public transport or if you have the opportunities walk, uh, I'd recommend it if you are if you are a writer. Um mm-hmm. Unless you live in a rough area, then don't uh, maybe not take public transport. Do you? You do or, you. You're a. You're or a, if you, or if you just live in America and tra- public transport isn't an option, and neither is walking. That's true because, like, your average journey is like eighty miles from wherever you need to be. So mm-hmm. it's not good. Good times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the buses don't run that way. Curtis, since you joined us. NaNoWriMo. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done it before? Have you ever tried? Oh, I thought about it, but I uh, I don't really write anymore. Um, even before, I can't just motivate myself to write. I've always, like, every time there's a monthly challenge, you think, oh, this would be amazing. It's November 1st, and you're like, let's fucking go. And you have a great first day, and you write a million words. And then the next day, you're like, I don't want to fucking do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, that always happens because I don't know, maybe it's, just, but I feel like some people are like, you got to pace yourself. But sometimes on day one, you have so many ideas and you want to get everything out and you get everything out and then you got nothing left. But if, because if you don't get those ideas out, then they're gone, you know? Yeah. But, um, but actually, I always, go on, sorry. Yeah. No, I'm just going to say, I've always kind of wanted to try writing something again or whatever, but I haven't really had the right idea. And I haven't really wanted to either. So, two major if components. You're that, if you're in, if you're, if you're in that state of mind, you can't do it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I, I was just going to say because you, you've had previous experience now with, uh, with chat monthly challenges in terms of, um, is it? Oh, February album writing month. That's the one. Both. Which, for people who don't know, February album writing month is a community where you try to write fourteen songs in February and. Everyone shares their songs and comments, and it's really fun. And fifty ninety is in summer. It's fifty songs in ninety days. So it's fucking insane. Don't tell is. anyone this. Don't tell anyone this. I cheat, <gasps> and sometimes I come up with the songs before, and <laughs> and I'll um I already have all these ideas or whatever, and then I'll upload them throughout the month. Yeah, I don't know how cheat. I guess it's only cheating if you've already written them down. Well, it's you know, it's it's not cheating if you have an idea before and you uh, record it. But sometimes I'm so excited I'll record a track before July Fourth or whatever, uh-huh. and then I'll do my vocals on it on July Fourth. But I already made the track. I mean, fair in fairness, <laughs> fifty songs is a fucking lot well, to do in ninety days. The thing is, is, every challenge starts, I come up with something out of this world for me by my standards and i'm like how the fuck did i do because i did it because i was motivated for the challenge to start mm-hmm. and that's a motivation that you can't get you can't just sit here and say here's my challenge to write 50 songs like it has to be an event like that and when it's an event like that something occurs in my brain that sends it into like this creative overdrive mode and and i'll come up with something that i'm like how the fuck did i do that you know yeah because it's the start of the start of a challenge like that with a community like NaNoWriMo or whatever. If they had like a community where people shared their stuff, it's so exciting because everybody's posting stuff on day one, and you want to get part of that, like uh, 
community, like everybody doing something, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good idea. It's really fun to be part of a community of people doing stuff and you get to see what other people do, music or writing, and then you get to share your stuff. And if you get comments on that, then it's really motivating, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that's why 5090 is probably, that's probably why I've made so many songs is because of 5090, like the motivation that gave me and even the self-confidence boost of having, you know, oh, it's you again. And they're like, oh, your songs are way better this year or whatever. You know, like you keep up with people like that. Yeah, man. That's really cool. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of the reason we all ended up meeting each other in the first place. We were all searching for a community yeah, that share. could give us that kind of thing. And a community where you share your art or your writing or something. And uh-huh. yeah. We all, we all just want to share and, you know, be seen and, you know, exactly. hear stuff. But... It, it seems like it's increasingly difficult at times to find that. And I don't know if that's just, if that's just because we don't know where the right places on the internet are anymore. Yeah. Or if it's just because we're getting older and well, that those, those people that we are seeking aren't there period. Yeah. That could be it. There's no okay. end of 18 year olds on the internet, but there's a lot fewer like, you know, Mid, late twenties, early thirties. That that'll sit there and critique your story and this and that. And... Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. And but also in all these communities, you have to give back. You have to, and you have to want to give back. Like l- read people's stories and listen. You got to want to do it. Right. You have to. People ha- know. People know when you fake it, and you're like, "Good job. That's really nice." Yeah, yeah. Or, like when you get a review and all of the uh, critiques is from like the first scene. And it's like, oh, thanks. Yeah. You definitely read it all. And... You can tell. You can tell when people actually read or listened to it or something. I really like the, the chorus. That... Yeah. And you want to keep up with those people. And then you start valuing their opinions and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? And. If you're in any kind of, and, it, and it's hard for that to find that, but if you get in an environment like that, then that's when it breeds the most, uh, the best results, the best creativity. Truly. Because if it's what they say, if you do it in an island, you do it all by yourself, then it's, if a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? It's that same thing. Because mm-hmm. you're just, you're in your own world. And if you're able to take it out of your world and, put it where it can be again seen you know and talked about acknowledged then it's really motivating and really satisfying yeah exactly great advice um yeah so anyone who failed if, if you were a, a, a loser like me on NaNoWriMo next year get yourself a community it, as Matt said it is very difficult. There is one I heard of called Mangaritas, a small little community yeah, of writers. Uh-huh. Facebook, Facebook groups or something. Or I, whatever. I, I think um, Reddit kind of come along and killed forum yeah. culture. Um, they, it, Reddit, Reddit the, fucking sucks, though. Yeah, it, That's the problem with Reddit. It's like, it's a forum, except you can vote for who is good and who is bad. And that's what's so bad about it, because then the 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 herd opinion rules yeah it just uh-huh. becomes a circle jerk on it and and wherever whatever spaces Every, you go into 
every interesting message board that I've ever been on has the people and you kind of hate these people, but they'll come in and you'll talk about, Oh, we love this, whatever. And they'll be like, nah, this is fucking shit. This is Mm -hmm. better or whatever. Mm -hmm. You got to have people like that because if you don't, then there's no discussion. It's just people saying, this is awesome. I love every episode of bleach. I don't know whatever (laughs) you're talking about. Hey, 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 Hey. I love I love every arc of Bleach and all the characters are great. You're flying like, close no. to the sun. You are. Everyone loves praise, but praise rarely makes better stories, or better yeah. songs, or better and art. Even when you make art, you gotta be able to take critique because you're not perfect, and you can always be better than what you are. And you have to mm-hmm. be ready to accept good constructive criticism. Like, you can't be like, hey, guys, here's my art. Oh, please don't say anything bad or this or that. Like, if you... There's no point in sharing it, is there? If you, if you like, no. positive feedback only. It's like, please tell me I'm good. Exactly. Yeah, that's what just... What you. If you get... Pe- the yes man thing, if you get people to say what you want to hear, it's not helping you, mm-hmm. and you're going to stagnate and keep making the same shit, and you're never going to improve because you have a false sense of confidence. Or worse, mm-hmm. you're actually going to get... Even more bad. I I don't want to use yeah. worse twice in the same sentence, but I really I should have. Exactly. Like you need someone to give you a good, not just like oh this is garbage, but like a you know I see what could be good. Constructive about this, criticism. You're, yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Like when I posted my art, the, you know, it's I. Th- it. oh, go ahead. No, I was. I nothing. It was fine. Go ahead. Okay, but well, I said this on the other podcast, but this is a new podcast. The best thing I ever did for my art was post it on Reddit. And this was in 2013. Mm. And I was still kind of drawing in like almost an anime style, but like a really shitty, like I it, I was drawing in a self-conscious anime style. Like I didn't want to, but I was, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I didn't want to go all the way. So I posted one of my drawings on Reddit and everyone was shitting on it. They're taking a huge, it was like, it was completely getting murdered by people in the comments. <laughs> And I became extremely better from that. Not to say I became great, but everything was notably improved after getting ripped apart about it. And I'm like, wait, this is kind of shitty and this doesn't look right. And it would be better to drop pr- pr- more, you know, better. Yeah, no, it, ha- <laughs> Simple it terms. There's an art to critiquing, uh, definitely. If you get really hard but well-meaning critique, it is the most valuable thing in the mm. entire world for creative work because if you got a million people like good job this is nice keep it up it doesn't do anything i'm guilty with that and it comes to art but i'm like i have nothing of value to tell like a seasoned artist other than i yeah. enjoy what they've done so <laughs> i'm like do i even bother and then it's mm. like well it's nice to to say it sometimes but yeah like i recognize that i could not inform an artist other than if it was something glaring but yeah that's that's not my that's not my wheelhouse to to tell them um well it it's hard to give a critique when yeah it's not something that you do so like if somebody was like uh playing the clarinet and I couldn't tell them like, oh wow, you're doing all these things wrong. I would just be like, nice, better than I can do. That's I, uh, good. I'll try and say what I do like about it, because then at least you can identify mm-hmm. why it's worked. Like, because I think the that's strengths. important. Okay. Yeah, because um, yeah. when you're critiquing, you can tell people why things don't work, but it's harder to tell them yeah. why it works sometimes. Um, 
I find sometimes in creative work, the things that work are so subtle and you don't even notice them and you don't realize how well it works Mm. because it's that smooth. You don't, you know, like it's just so good and smooth that you don't, you can't think of like, you're just like, I like it because I like it. There's just something about it and you can't really describe it. You don't have the vocabulary to describe it, but it just feels right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I think it's really solid advice. I guess uh, I guess for anyone who wants to do 2022 NaNoWriMo, then find yourself a community of like-minded people. Uh, be active, contribute, um, give what you get as well in terms of feedback and reviews. Um, and I guess also we haven't, we've gone the entire episode and it's kind of the point, as, as, as Matt said, it's the aftermath. Don't worry. Like, it genuinely means nothing if you didn't make it it's a, it's a for the average person whether you're a teenager in full-time education if you're an adult in a full-time job um a parent and you've got kids the average person probably can't write 50,000 years in a mo- 50,000 words per month like especially during november uh, <laughs> in a busier month so don't worry about it like i failed um i got a fifth of the way i think we said um, if it takes me four more months to achieve the the hundred k uh, target, that's fine. I'm predicting to do far less in December, just because of recording these episodes live each day, and uh, the run up to the festivities as well. It's always a thing. So, um, yeah, look back on the work that you've done. It's a great breaking point as well at the end of the month to, I guess, go back. You can go back and have a look at what you've done if you want to tweak things or the direction it's going. Um, but I'd say just steam ahead. Steam ahead, do your first volume, and then uh, you can go back and do a second draft. That's my advice anyway. Um, does anyone else have any advi- closing advice to people, aspiring writers out there? Just, um, Just do it. Do it. I'm not. Just, I mean, really, it's it's that old name that probably no one remembers, but us oldies. But just just start. Don't don't spend hours pontificating about your backstory, or writing plot summaries, or explaining giving in depth character bios. Mm-hmm. Those those have their place. Just write chapter one. Just write some shit. Just, just write chapter one. Just start chapter one. That's the biggest thing is start chapter one. But oh, the, the argument is, but how do I keep it consistent if I don't write uh, it, you, every food that a character likes? And- second draft. <laughs> third <laughs> yeah. draft. Fourth yeah. draft. Yeah. Fifth draft. You keep you writing continuity as you write. You yeah. do, and you get to the end, and then you go back and you fix it. And then you fix exactly. it again to fix the things you fucked uh, up. I need to write how this character's grades were in in uh, high school, and we need no. to know if they're allergic to sawdust. Or, at, at, at most, you should get one of those pre-done, like fill-in-the-blank character sheets. Do that, and that's fine. It's enough. I'd say um, if you really enjoy doing the world-building side, that's fine. But again, it's very easy to get sucked into doing, like you said, it's. Cr- if you want to go into that much detail with a character, sure. 
Like, if you mm-hmm. want to know that, you know, their childhood bully's backstory or, you know, the fucking great-great-grandfather and their heritage and how many, you know, they're actually, they've got a, a cousin in Jamaica who uh, makes really good bread. You could have that in there if you wanted to, but doesn't mean that it has to be in the book. And any detail that you have to come up with in a back, is it, if you, like, that's kind of the thing with world building is just striking that balance of if you're, you're like, is this ever going to come up? If not, and you really don't think it is, just leave it. Don't bother. Like, it's exactly. great for you to know, but you don't need to devote time and energy to it. As a prime example of that, um, J.R.R. Tolkien released The Hobbit first. Yeah. And then The Lord of the Rings. And only then did The Silmarillion come out. I think that's correct anyway. Uh, you don't start by reading The Silmarillion. You start with The Hobbit. I think I started with Lord the Ring, with Fellowship of the Ring. And then I went All back. Right. That's fine. But, but you can still pick you that start, up. <laughs> you start with a book. You don't start with the intense backstory. He no, says, absolutely. Corking another, uncorking his bottle of wine. Yeah. Like I say, it's so easy to fall into the trap of world building. I love doing it. It's dead fun. It's dead exciting when you're building, especially if it's a fantasy world and you're like, oh, this is amazing. I've made these great countries and blah, blah, blah. And these citizens have this great heritage and it's great. And there's loads of resources for stuff like that. But even then, like you say, you can keep that brief. Um, I saw a really good sort of asset for world building. And you could break it down either by worlds, by cities, by nations. And it sort of had nine boxes and you just wrote a few sentences. And it was like the history, culture, economy. It was just like whatever. Write a couple of sentences on each and you've pretty much got a portfolio for that. That society, that country and nation. You're like, okay, these are these. This is what they do. This is their role in the story. Um, These characters come from this place. Done. Um, and that's what you need because that's what the readers are going to see on the page. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If it doesn't come through on the page, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because, yeah, the, it's just one of them. Anywho, um, I think that's about everything that we wanted to cover. We had no yeah. plan, so <laughs> we, we talked come... about we talked for about forty five minutes, I think. There you go. We've hit a time scale. <laughs> We've hit it. Yeah, forty nine minutes, in fact. So if I carry on talking for another seven seconds, we'll have hit the fifty minute mark, which is quite. Uh, we got to hit fifty minutes. Except for, except for that part, we're going to edit out the beginning because it was uh, technical. Oh yeah, I think I uh, did. I I might have stopped recording and started recording. I don't remember. We'll find out when we do it. Anyway. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Curtis, for joining us. Um, check back tomorrow with a, another fantastic, wonderful, delicious little episode for your little your little ears. Merry Christmas. Your ears are delicious as we talk. We're fucking like, okay. I'm oh, do right oh now. yeah, do the ASMR where you lift the microphone. No, 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 no. Have you got one of them? No, we do the ear eating. Every every everyone that does it, they always cover the mic when they do the ear eating because they don't want to show themselves licking a mic. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that is. You got to pay. You got to pay to see them lick the little ears, man. That's why yeah, they cover it. Yeah, it's because you've got to got to yeah. pay on their Patreon. You do, yeah. Merry Christmas, oh. everyone. Or their only fans. Imagine, imagine my tongue in your ears. Oh yeah, go to sleep with them.
that image in your head. It's Christmas time, so it's time to get drunk on wine that's been in the cellar that you bought in January. Let's have some let's have some wine drinking. Mistletoe and wine. Bye everybody. I miss you. I love you. Bye. Oh, that was a big sip.